fasten your seat belt. I am taking you for the ride of your life. I'm going to show you what this car can really do. Are you ready? I am ready. Hang on. Okay. Here we go. Hold on to your butts. Go get him, kid. It might be a tumor. It's not a tumor. Not a tumor at all. As if. You're going to ask me. So you can go ahead and ask me what you're going to ask me. And my natural response could be to get offended. Hey, want to hear the most annoying sound in the world? Yeah, well, you know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. All right, all right, all right. You're listening to the 30-something movie podcast. One movie each week, 30 years in the making. something movie about I, I, I don't know why i was going to start to turn that into a musical <laughs> maybe it was the maybe it was the steven sondheim from this movie just like really got to me and i was like i was gonna this is gonna be a musical episode i don't know right. why this is gonna be a musical episode maybe because this movie is a very interesting mix of crime superhero musical maybe yeah if, yeah. if you're if, if you're into singing everything, let, and I know Nora is watching uh, the Flash. Let mm-hmm. me know when you get to that episode of the Flash. We we got to that episode of the Flash. She oh. really she really enjoyed that. Oh. One. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well done, Flash mm-hmm. showrunner people. Yeah, that was that was good stuff. Like I, in fact, I remember the first time around when we watched that. I think Sharon and I were watching it. We're like, "What is this?" Yeah, this is just good. and I don't think we were in a good frame of mind to be watching a musical okay. episode for that one. But right. watching it this time around with the kids, the kids are like, this is just this is weird. This is goofy. I was like, do you not remember all the times that we would watch the um, when they were little? There was a, a great Batman cartoon. And, and I don't care if you're a, a child or an adult. You've got to go back and watch this Batman cartoon. It was called Batman Brave and Brave and the Bold. Mm-hmm. And the old in DC Comics, they had a comic called The Brave and the Bold, and it was always a team up comic. So, and sometimes they would be the most unlikely team ups. It would be like Superman teams up with Robin, or uh, mm. Batman teams up with Aquaman, or you know stuff like that. And so they did a cartoon. Um, this would have been well, see, the kids are little, so it probably would have been around, hey, like two thousand. 10 2012 sometime around there um i used to watch it with john when he was little and this cartoon is hilarious it is you know the the batman kind of the animation of it the batman looks like the 60s batman you know with his Mm. costume it's the gray with the kind of blue mask and the blue cape and and but just the other characters are hilarious in this awesome um and they have like a they have like a cannonball run episode where all the different characters have their own cars and they're doing like this nice. cross country death race. Um, That's awesome. And, but it's just hilarious. And they have a few episodes where the music Meister shows up as the villain and it ends up being a musical episode of the cartoon, cool. but it's got, it's, it has so many little in jokes. You know, if you're a, if you're a fan of like sixties TV Batman um, or, you know, any of the other stuff that's come out, they knew that parents were going to be watching this too. So they dropped in a whole bunch of little, uh, a little Easter eggs for the parents watching cool. it. So if you that's get it, cool. if you get a chance or if your kids, you know, if your kids like superhero stuff at all, um, you got to go find and check out the Batman brave and the bold cartoon. Nice. And Aquaman is hilarious. He's ridiculous. 
in that entire cartoon. Anytime he shows up, he's just like cool. this big. Um, I don't know if you ever watched one of the cartoons that was out in the probably would have been the nineties. Uh, Johnny Bravo. Did you ever watch yeah. Johnny Bravo? Yeah. Aquaman yeah. reminds me of Johnny Bravo. That's awesome. A, a little less Elvis Presley, but you know, very, very, very similar in some ways. Johnny Bravo. Yeah. That's cool. That's good stuff. All right. Well, we're not here to talk about Johnny Bravo. We're here to talk about Dick <laughs> Tracy. Yes. Yes. Um, so this is our Dick Tracy episode. Uh, very, very quickly, we spoil the movies. Um, so we're going to spoil all over the place here. So just be warned. That's what we do. iTunes or wherever reviews, um, you know, please leave us a review. Let us know how we're doing. If it's on iTunes, that's great. But wherever you get your podcast, uh, leave us a review or get in touch with us. Let us know what you're enjoying about the show because whatever you're enjoying – we'll keep doing it. Uh, mm-hmm. If there's stuff you're not enjoying and we hear from enough people, then eh, we'll think about it. Um, we'll keep doing you know, it. We'll keep doing it. It's, we're going to do whatever <laughs> we want to do. It's, are you paying for the show? Well, then we're going to keep doing it. Um, I don't know why John just got sassy all of a sudden. Like that? Man, get one more cocktail in him. Look what oh, happens. Man, that's, mm-hmm. it's, but mm-hmm. see, the, but I, I usually I get friendly. Like when there's when there's more scotch involved, I get friendly. I don't know why I got sassy there. Maybe it was maybe it was the movie. I don't know. Could have been. Maybe it's maybe it's maybe just so many criminals in one place and they're they're weird, <laughs> weird faces. Um yeah. Yeah, it's creepy. Uh 30podcast.com. That's got all the different places where you can find out more about our show, all the different social media places, uh voicemail line, all that fun stuff. Uh by now it should also have the voting um form up there as well. So if you want to vote on your favorite movies of 1991 as we start to kind of plan that out heading into next year, that is going to be up there as well. So uh as, as you can already hear the uh the the angelic choir of co-hosts that I have with me here tonight. Uh, first of all, to my, thank you, brother Pat, um, to my, I don't know, to my left, to my right, actually, depending on where you are on the screen, you, I don't know. Um, but, uh, let's go to my left is, uh, Pat Canigallo, Pat, brother Pat, how are you doing? Hey, hey, doing well, John. How are you doing? Good. I, I feel like I just turned us into a monastery when I just started calling you brother Pat. I'm, I don't know how I feel about that now. Our content matter, we're it, rather typical of a monastery. I, it doesn't, the vow of silence is what most people wish we take. Is that what you're saying? I get that a lot. Yeah. Okay. All right. If it's, if it's Friar Tuck and there's beer, then hey, let's. That works. Yeah. That'd be pretty cool. Speaking of Friar Bo, Friar, Bo, I, I don't know why I'm going with this theme. It has nothing to do with Dick Tracy. So it's. Hey, you started it. You you can do whatever you want. I, I thought Follow of us. I, I thought of us, and I, I thought of the word fry, and fryer came out, and you know, sounds good to me. Yeah, it's all good, man. It's all good. So, you gentlemen doing all right? Yes, sir. Yeah. Quite well. Yeah. Yeah. Fun movies this month. Staying, staying alive. Staying alive. Ah. Uh, oh yeah. Ah. Uh, ah. Uh, ah. Uh, staying alive. There you go. Thank you for yeah, dancing, man. Bo. No one can see you, but thank you for dancing, Bo. Right. No problem. It's a, it's, yeah. That's how I dance best is when no one can see me. All right. Yeah. Well, yes, this time around, we are talking the 1990 movie Dick Tracy. Um, I don't think we got a whole lot of movie news, so let's just jump right on in it. Uh, this movie came out on the 15th of June, 1990, rated PG with a runtime of one hour and 45 minutes, directed and produced by Warren Beatty. Uh, he directed Heaven Can Wait and Reds. Uh, he also produced Bonnie and Clyde and Bugsy. 
Uh, writers for this one, Chester Gould did the characters from the comic strip. Uh, he died in 1985, so he never got a chance to see this movie. Uh, Gould did, uh, there were some Dick Tracy movies back in the 30s and 40s. Um, have you guys ever seen any of those? Any of the old Dick Tracy movies? Mm-mm. No. Okay. I, I knew they existed, but I've never seen any of them. Uh, and then also written, uh, this one was also written by Jim Cash and Jack Epps Jr. Jim Cash died in 2000. Uh, between the two of them, they also wrote Top Gun and Turner and Hooch. Cinematography was done by Vittorio Storaro. He also did uh, cinematography for Apocalypse Now and The Last Emperor. Music was done by Danny Elfman, who did Batman and Beetlejuice. Budget for this one was $46 million. Box office was $162.7 million, so it did pretty well. Flick Metrics gives this one a 59%, and Cinema Score gives it a B plus. Warren Beatty played Dick Tracy. He was in Bonnie and Clyde, Heaven Can Wait, and Reds. Charlie Corsmo played Kid. He was in Hook and What About Bob. Jim Wilkie played Stooge. He was in Mad Max Fury Road and The Dark Knight. Uh, Stig Eldred played Shoulders. He was in the 2005 version of King Kong and a movie called The Stolen. Neil Summers played The Rodent. He was in RoboCop and Midnight Run. Chuck Hicks played The Brow. He was in Legion and Star Trek II Wrath of Khan. Lawrence Stephen Myers played Littleface. He was in Unfaithful and An American Haunting. William Forsyth, let's get that one right, uh, played Flattop. He was in Raising Arizona and The Devil's Rejects. Ed O'Ross played Itchy. He was in Red Heat and Lethal Weapon. Uh, Glenn Headley, who died in 2017, uh, she played Tess Trueheart. She was in Dirty Rotten Scoundrels and Mr. Holland's Opus. Madonna played Breathless Mahoney. She was in Evita and Die Another Day. Mandy Patinkin played 88 Keys. He was in The Princess Bride and Alien Nation. Paul Sorvino played Lips Manless. He was in Goodfellas and The Rocketeer. Al Pacino played Big Boy Caprice. He was in Serpico and Dog Day Afternoon. Dustin Hoffman played Mumbles. He was in Tootsie and Rain Man. And Dick Van Dyke played D.A. Fletcher. He was in Mary Poppins and Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. Real quick before I read off the synopsis from the Googles, um, I could have gone on forever. Like going through the cast, the the characters oh. and the cast, the, there's just so many people yeah. in this movie. And I was like, at some point, I got to cut off this list because otherwise that's going to be the whole episode. Yeah. It's just me yeah. listing off all the characters and the actors who played them. So there were a whole bunch that I, you know, completely did not include in here just for time's sake. But yeah. Tons and tons of people in this movie. Uh, hard-boiled detective Dick Tracy, played by Warren Beatty, is searching for evidence that proves that Alphonse Big Boy Caprice is the city's most dangerous crime boss. He may have found the key to unraveling the crime lord's illegal empire in Breathless Mahoney, played by Madonna, an enigmatic ballroom, ballroom, barroom singer, or ballroom singer, either way, uh, who has witnessed some of Caprice's crimes firsthand. However, she seems more set on stealing Dick away from his girlfriend, Tess, played by Glenn Headley, uh, than helping him actually solve the case of his career. Side I'm always on. Mine. What? What's the word of? 
Calvary now. Everything he owns, I own! Move in and take your positions. Okay, boys, let's go. And you, guilty of attempting to bribe an officer of the law. She does some nifty undercover work. I think Tracy drives you crazy, doesn't she? All right, that's enough. I want Tracy dead! Tracy, let's go! Good luck. You have just said goodbye to oxygen. Aren't you gonna frisk me? Stupid cop. Tracy? So as we usually start this off, uh, single word or phrase, how does this movie make you feel? I, I think I said this last week, but kind of good, fun, you know, like all that. It, I, I, I'm, I'm kind of just repeating myself, but I'll keep it simple. I, 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 the movie's fun. It makes me feel good watching it. It's a fun adaptation, you know? It's cool how they brought the comic book thing into the movies, especially with like, set direction and art and you know just the overall look of it yeah so yeah yeah i i, I don't know it was fun fun right. movie all yeah. right bo what have you got it's it's hard to put a feeling on it but it's like pat said i i always think about the color palette of this movie it's mm-hmm. so vibrant and colorful and bright it just out there it just sort of grabs you and, and, and it tells you you're in a different place all together right from the start and it, it, it just it, it keeps you it keeps you in the movie it keeps you entertained so entertained mm-hmm. i suppose I, i'm gonna give uh two words here separated by a comma um i'm gonna say pretty boring mm. <laughs> not but there's there is a comma in there not, or not no pretty comma? not pretty boring pretty comma okay. boring okay so that that's that's going to be yeah that until we dig further into that uh that that's going to be my initial response okay so is this i'm going to assume this is not the first time we've seen this movie yeah. okay is first this, time for me oh it's the first time you've seen it oh, okay really yeah wow. i maybe saw i maybe saw maybe saw parts but this was the first time i saw it okay cool so as a first time viewer like what what were kind of your initial thoughts watching this movie because the the interesting thing about this is I think for Bo and myself I I won't speak for Bo but um you know saw this in the theater this was really big at the time I mean you, there were commercials everywhere there were toys everywhere there was the McDonald's game um yeah. there was all kinds of tie-ins for this and I remember like we talk about this movie at school the movie hadn't even come out yet and I remember everybody talking about the movie um before it even came out and and how how big of a deal this was going to be and the toys were everybody wanted to get the toys and it, you know, and, um, so, but that's how it was when it came out, you're watching this for the first time after the fact. And and at the time too, you really didn't have too many comic book or comic strip type movies. Um, you, you had Batman, you know, and that was pretty much it. Um, so I'm curious, I'm kind of curious to hear how watching this for the first time in 2020 was. Yeah. So, I mean, for the first time I watching it in 2020, it was, uh, I, I, it was, I think the movie is so unique and it's such a part of like kind of movie culture. I, I mean, could you say it's a niche film? You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I mean, how many people know that Warren Beatty did a Dick Tracy movie? Like if you ask people of our generation, they might go, 
one but oh yeah that one be you know uh, so I, mo- people most talk- people of our generation would probably be like warren who yeah yeah <laughs> um i but no i i enjoyed it it was it was good i like how they adapted the comic books for it especially when you look at other stuff in its time i mean where else you know you had wonder woman and superman from the 70s and they did it you know for the show and the the movie they did it one way then in the 80s i think the only comic book thing you really have other than howard the duck uh but the only comic book (laughs) movie that you've had is is batman and that went such a different direction um and I, i mean my excitement for 89 batman is well um you know well documented if you have any questions about that please see our first 250 podcasts mm-hmm. um so i mean that was such a complete departure from what comic books characters you know what they're realized as um previously that i, I don't know i thought this was cool that i like they really it, it was like they you know it was almost like you know where like in the movie wreck it ralph when you see the 8-bit video game screen and then they jump into that world and suddenly everything is vibrant and alive. And I, I think that's kind of what they did with this. Like you can imagine it almost as a two-dimensional comic book strip, but to, that you jump inside of it. You know what I'm saying? And like even a lot of the characters are kind of two-dimensional cardboard cutout characters, but it's you're so wrapped up with the you know, they're bringing comic book level characters to life that, you know, like you're still entertained. Just, you know, even though they're two dimensional. Okay, there's the rough kid from the streets. Okay, Dick. But then Dick Tracy, you know, they kind of elevate him. They give him, you know, like kind of a, a, a little character arc, not a big one, but, you know, he kind of works through some stuff. You know, they, they, you know, he and his girlfriend, their the relationship really isn't working out. Okay, there's a, a little bit of a pseudo love triangle. You know, they just introduce enough to kind of make it interesting for the big screen, but it still feels very much like you're, you know, watching a, you know, reading a comic book strip. Um, Bo, you mentioned the color palette, the way they do the set, the way they do um, all of that stuff. You know, that was kind of, that was kind of my reaction. Al Pacino is great yelling at people as always. Um, you know, um, I thought Dick Tracy was fantastic. I, I, you know, Warren Beatty. And I think it's kind of cool that this was his pet project. Like this is the story he wanted to have made, you know, so he put everything on the line to do that. And well, I don't know how much he put it on the line, but I mean, he directed it and acted in it and the whole thing. Um, Madonna in the movie. I mean, like she she inhabited that role of breathless mahoney so enough said because it's a family friendly podcast but uh um yeah i i don't know if her costumes were pg rated but you know not my call what are some of the things i mean did it did it hold up for you over the years watching it so okay but I, i i as i think we've talked about before sometimes movies that we enjoyed as, as kids get a pass and you, you don't necessarily pick up on the, the faults in it, but I had, I had a great time watching it again. It had been years since yeah. I'd seen it, but I still enjoyed it. I still love when all the big name actors show up and I'm like, God, how did they pull this off? I mean, Mandy Patinkin is 88 keys, mm-hmm. you know, that's crazy. 
Um, yeah. You think about that today, like assembling a cast like this. And then I, I'm a sucker for a movie that takes its, makes its choices artistically and sticks with it and, and goes with it. So I love this kind of color palette. Mm-hmm. Um, this very saturated, heavy palette uh, really yeah. appeals to me, always has. Um, the, so that that just keeps me entertained, and then it's a you know it's a it's a, it's a gangster cop movie which I like too. So it just sort of keeps me. It ticks all the boxes for me, you know. Yeah, yeah. Including that I loved it as a kid, which certainly yeah. helps. The interesting thing about this movie for me is that as a kid, like I I bought into all the hype, like when all the when everything was, I mean, the commercials were on TV, the game, you know, McDonald's had the scratch off cards they were doing as part of the, the promotional tie in. Um, you know, they had the toys come out, they, all kinds of stuff. I mean, there was just Dick Tracy stuff was everywhere. And I had never read the the comic strip as a kid. So I, I don't even think I knew what the comic strip was. I, I think I just knew that there was this movie coming out called Dick Tracy. It was really colorful. So as a kid, like it looked really cool. Um, you know, they, they stuck with like the, the seven basic colors that like a, a newspaper comic strip would use. Um, and I love how they did that. I, I vividly remember as a kid, this is one of the first times that I got so hyped up for a movie. And then even as a kid, when I went to go see it as a 10 year old, I remember going and seeing this movie and being entertained when I was watching the movie and then leaving the theater, I was like, huh? Okay. Like it, yeah. it was immediately for me, it was immediately forgettable as soon as I left the theater. Um, you know, did it have the, does it, you know, for me, does it tick some of those, as you said, Bo, does it tick some of those same boxes? Absolutely. I mean, you've got, you know, John was even commenting when we were finishing the movie um, earlier, he, he said, <clears throat> so, okay. So everybody's got Tommy guns and they don't ever have to reload. Is that how that works? And I was like, yes. I mean, yes, that's basically how that works. When when you're a movie based off of a comic strip, yes, you don't ever yeah. have to reload anything. It's just, that's how it is. Um, they must you know, have gotten the same model as that uh, guy in uh, Miller's Crossing. In Miller's Crossing, right. You know, he's a, an artist with a Thompson. But yeah, I mean, that's, in, in some of those scenes, like those are, those are some of my favorite scenes where he's just, I mean, they're just guns blazing stuff exploding in the background you know the visuals are beautiful in this movie and that's why my my initial response to this is pretty comma boring um and not that i'm necessarily bored bored boring might have been the wrong word i'm not bored when i watch the movie i love how this movie looks like i love everything they've put into the design of the characters the design of the costumes the colors the set design the de- all of those pieces um you know and, and it ticks some of those boxes for me too like some of my favorite movies like i've already i've mentioned many times the rocketeer you know there's a lot of movies and a lot of stuff that i like that kind of falls into that 1930s 1940s style um you know, I feel like some of the stuff we've talked before about Dark City, like there's some of the stuff about the movie Dark City that really fits into that style. Um, Sky Captain, you know, is, is another movie that I really enjoy that has some of that that fits into that type of style of it. You know, the Indiana Jones movies, that time, that kind of stuff, the uh, Captain America. So that time period is one that I'm always really interested in when it comes to movies. And so it does tick some of those boxes for me with, you know, the, stylistically how things are done. And, and a very stylized movie, much like, you know, you already mentioned, um, you know, that, that there are some other movies kind of similar to this. You've got 
um, you know, something like a 300 or Sky Captain. Isn't I know I just mentioned that one. Sky Captain's another one, very stylized movie with the visuals. Um, you know, I think of like Sin City, something like that. And what it does well in that department, I just feel like I think after having watched this movie again this time, I think it's the writing. I think it's the story. And I think that some of it is the acting as well. This movie has it, it, it has all the elements that it should have. It's got the big names. It's got the beautiful visuals. Um, it's got action. It's got humor. But I just, I didn't feel any, like, heart and soul in the movie. Like, I didn't get, I didn't get the chemistry between the characters. I, I felt like... I felt like if you were pulling it off of, I mean, this looks like it came right off the comic strip page and, and in, a, in a very positive way. But then I also feel like the personality of this movie was also just as flat and two-dimensional as a comic page. Mm-hmm. So that's where it kind of falls apart for me. And that's where even watching it this time, I'm watching through the movie and I'm like, <sighs> okay, uh, I don't really care about any of these characters. Actually, there was a point in time in which I was like, you know what? I, I actually feel like I kind of like uh, uh, Big Boy a little bit more than I do Dick Tracy. Like, he's a more likable character in this movie. Mm-hmm. Dick Tracy's kind of boring. Um, you know, so it was not... And even watching it, Nora couldn't finish watching it because she was, I think I mentioned this before, she was weirded out by the people's faces. And and rightfully so. Like, there's they did a great job with the makeup, but it's also kind of creepy in some spots so she didn't want to finish it and I I told her that's absolutely fine John finished it and he and I had finished it and usually after we've watched some of the different movies that we've watched he'll be like hey that was really good he's like thanks for thanks for letting me watch that movie with you Um, this time the movie was done and he's like yeah okay I'm just gonna go to my room now (laughs) (laughs) good night dad okay yeah all right Um, yeah I usually talk about the movie like he he's like yeah thanks that was really good and um this time nothing and and I kind of felt the same way I was like okay well I felt like this time I felt like watching the movie was a chore that I had to accomplish because I had to do it for the podcast um you know it 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 doesn't it doesn't detract from the visuals it doesn't detract from the the soundtrack is great like I love the songs that are in it too um but it's just I don't know the the acting almost Sometimes when you've got those other pieces and they get done so well, you can be like, all right, I can excuse some bad acting. Um, you know, some, I think of like the Star Wars movies. Star Wars movies are never going to win any Oscars for acting. Mm-hmm. But this movie in particular, I'm like, ah, the acting in this one and just the lack of chemistry between anybody in this one, I, I feel like this actually drags down the movie in a way that it, it really shouldn't. Well, it's almost you bring up Star Wars. It's almost like, I, please correct me if I'm wrong, but it this it seems like it's the knock that's on episodes one, two, and three. Fantastic world building, a guy that made the movie that had a story that he wanted to tell, uh, stunning visuals, bringing this world to life, colors, all this kind of thing. But then, was there? chemistry between the leads and you know did we have some of these things that if you stripped all that away would you have a good story at the core is there a good story and again it seems like folks that if they are going to take a look at star wars episodes one two and three those are the things that they can say yeah you know maybe that that part was 
that part was put secondary to this fantabulous world that they built and has expanded and the backstory and all that. So now we've taken Dick Tracy and it was a two-dimensional comic book strip and we've built this world and there's colors and there's this and everything is all opened up. Well, but again, just that core important part of making a movie, a great plot, chemistry with the character, that was kind of put maybe not as, that was not as strong as the actual world building. Yeah. You know, watching it this time, it really, I really got a sense of, you know, cause I it also in the back of my mind, I was like, Oh, you know, for the podcast, I, I got to talk about how big the, uh, the marketing was for this movie and like the tie-ins and all the other stuff, you know, cause that I remember as a kid that, that being one of the first times I really paid attention to the fact that, Hey, McDonald's is doing this and Burger King's doing this. And I, like all these different places had all these tie-ins. And I, I vividly remember the, the scratch-off card game that McDonald's had. And I'm watching the movie this time, and in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, you know what? This movie feels less like a movie and more like a collection of scenes that we could cut up and put in a trailer or put in promotional material. Like, you've got the, you've got the great scenes with, like, the, the guns blazing, explosions in the background. You've got the, you know, the, the, everybody in the, the, um, the press in their multicolored suits, you know, walking down the steps of the courthouse. And it, but it just, it felt really disjointed to me. And it really felt like this movie was a collection of promotional scenes and promotional shots mm -hmm. um, with, with a, a very thin story kind of holding it together. In fact, that was the one you talk about the explosions. And I don't know if you mean when Dick Tracy's walking down the street with the Tommy gun. I remember that from the trailer. Yeah. Or maybe I just saw a clip like that really stood out in my mind. And that was kind of the almost the shock value of, whoa, I thought Dick Tracy was like a comic book. But yeah, I don't know. It's funny you mentioned that that one scene in particular, because that was something that just stood out in my mind from when I was a kid. I think that the and the music too, not the Stephen Sondheim music, but the Danny Elfman music really mm -hmm. took me out of the movie because this was one of those times where and I felt too much like Batman too much like Batman yeah and it was Darkman. it was almost for the same right and Darkman it was almost for the same reason that the music took me out of Darkman was for this one as well I was like but this just sounds and I know we've commented sometimes on like um you know some of the other some of the other composers and we're like well, you know they're they're really similar. Like that music sounds almost exactly like this music in this movie, but just the last, and maybe because we've watched them pretty close to each other between Batman and Darkman and Dick Tracy, like it just, it's too close. Like it's too close right. in time for these movies to have come out. You know, it, it, maybe if there were some years apart between these movies, um, that would be fine, but it just, it really threw me off. And I just, if I close my eyes and be like, I'm watching Batman. Or, well, or, I'd, or I'd rather be watching Batman. I, I think, right. I, I think too, is what – I don't want to say this all like, well, what you got to understand. But I think what <laughs> – What I'll we say, have here. <laughs> is, I think what I, – I, I'll, I'll put it myself. What I had to tell myself was – because I bumped on that too. And then it was like, oh, yeah, we watched these movies close. And then it was mm -hmm. like, well, wait a minute. All of these movies came out within a year of each other mm -hmm. right and and these last two movies came out the same year so if he's getting contracted to write that music you know that that would be a pretty big ask mm -hmm. to like come up with three completely different scores a and b i mean his whole thing was in you know the band oingo boingo and and all that kind of stuff so he was 
and again, I'm, I'm kind of referencing the soundtrack show that did the history on Danny Elfman. And I'm saying this humbly because no one's calling me to write music for a movie. But, you know, he was kind of like, if I recall, like Batman was one of his first big like, here, it's your movie. Go to town, right? You know, and so he, I mean, and again, I love the score for Batman. The music is fantastic. So now within a year of doing that, now you've got two movies that you have to write music for. That would be a pretty big ask of anybody to come up with three completely different, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Three completely different scores for three movies within one year. And they all kind of have the same, I mean, when you boil it down, I mean, all three of these movies could be sitting in the Dark Man, Batman, and... Um, you know, Dick Tracy, man, could all be sitting in the same area of blockbuster video at the time, right? So he's got to write music and that's got to fit it. And they're all kind of darkened versions of, you know, a, a superhero kind of genre. And the stuff that he writes, it all like the stuff that he writes all fits in with the scene. It's not like, ah, well, he didn't really score the scene the right way, or that's not really the feel they're going for in that movie or in that scene. And you never know. The director might've been sitting there and saying, yeah, I want that. Okay. Well, I'll write you something like that. No, 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 no. I want that. That's what I want in the, you know, and, well, so, and, and, and Warren Beatty did go after Danny Elfman because of Batman. Like he yeah. specifically, he, he heard that score and he's like that, that, <laughs> that's what I want. Right. Yeah. Right. And, and that came out. I mean, and and he talks about it in the soundtrack show, you know, there's one or two of these times that like they'll have hired someone, the guys just, you know, they get a temp track or a, Hey, this is what I'm looking for score. Okay, cool. And then they write him some stuff, get it recorded, put it in the movie. Uh, that's not what I wanted. I wanted that. Okay. Exactly. Just, what I Just copy that and just, right. Know. Just so, what if you what if you just uh, to quote the emperor and Amadeus? What if you just uh, removed a few notes here? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> which, which which notes did you have in mind, Majesty? <laughs> yeah, and again, I'm, uh, what am I not saying? I'm not saying, John, your opinions are wrong, wrong. But I, you know, I think that's kind of the reason is why is why do all three of these films sound very similar? Is because they all came out within a year of its, you know. Issue, a, issue like, one, why is John's opinion about the music wrong? <laughs> wrong! <laughs> Dick Tracy, really to me as a kid, Dick Tracy, I really could care less about the main character. I remember that even as a kid watching this movie. Is I don't really care about Dick Tracy. Like He's he's kind of a boring hero is what I mm -hmm. thought as a kid. But the rest of the characters in this movie, like how cartoonish they were as a kid, like I really thought that was awesome. Like, I love right. this. How do they get that guy's head so flat? Or why is that guy's face so small? Or how do they, like, that doesn't even look like a real human. And, yeah. you know, after the fact, you know, reading other, you know, re seeing the Dick Tracy comic in the newspaper, I'm like, oh, okay. Well, that's, they were going for that kind of, you know, grotesque caricature kind of look to some of these characters. Um, and, and they really, I mean, they knocked it out of the park with those because that's amazing. Um, but that's what I remember the villains being more memorable. Um, so let me ask you guys, is you, do you have a favorite villain in this movie of all the villains? Cause we've got, I don't know, a, a few million in this movie. Um, Warren Beatty tried to fit as many characters as he could into this movie. Cause he was thinking, well, if there's no sequel, I got to throw them all in here. Cause I love this. Um, do you have a favorite villain? Breathless Mahoney. I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to ask Pat to dig any further into uh, why that's his favorite <laughs> villain. What, but, 
what, what else do you need me to really say, guy? I mean, mm-hmm. you know. What you you said yeah, mumbles? Uh, what'd you say, Bo? Yeah. Bippy did it. Okay. Bippy did it. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I just like Mandy Patinkin, so I probably got to go 88 keys. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Solid. But, but Al Pacino is so good in this movie. Like, he's so much oh. more. I, to me, he even as a kid, I felt like, I like this guy. Like, I know he's supposed to be the crime boss, but he's kind of a more interesting guy than the other ones are. He's mm-hmm. certainly more fun. Yeah. Well, and he, just some of the, the, as he is like talking to himself when he's, they're like going through the tunnels and going through like all those back passageways towards the end of the movie. And he's just like, and I just, I didn't kidnap you. Well, I'm kidnapping you now, but I. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. No, so this it's, is so awkward. This is just this is so awkward. I, this whole thing is so awkward. It's almost like you know when when Robert De Niro did the uh, and analyzed this, and they said basically just caricature your roles in mob movies. Mm-hmm. I mean that's basically what Al Pacino had to do here. Mm-hmm. I mean you know because he it was the it, well I say basically like 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 it's all that easy, but that's what Al Pacino did here. I mean it was all his acting mannerisms and everything, but just turned up to 11 for a caricature, you know, and just so entertaining. Well, that was the interesting thing about some of these villains too, is when I started to look through the uh, acting credits on IMDb, a lot of these guys, and I, and I think that's why, you know, you don't necessarily hear from a lot of them, but the visuals are there is a lot of these guys are not actors. So like a lot of them are stunt guys. Mm. When you go through and you look at the different people, like the, the I think it was the guy who played little face, the guy who played the brow, uh, the guy who played the rodent. I mean, you go through some of these, um, some of these different characters, and their credits when they show what movies they've been in. Underneath, it just says stunts in all of them. So I think a lot of these were stunt guys that they just were like, "Hey, you don't need to say much. We're just gonna slap a whole bunch of makeup and prosthetics on you, and just you stand there and look weird and look creepy." Take yeah. a fall Which, for us, right? Yeah. Right. Which hey, it works. Exactly. So, so I don't want to, I mean, I, my initial response being that this movie is pretty and boring. I, I don't want to, I don't want that to come off as being like really harsh that I absolutely hated this movie. I just feel like this movie is a lot of looks and has great music in it, but it just, no, I, I, I don't want this to come across as being harsh because it, it's not that I hate the movie. Like it doesn't, I don't have a burning passion that I need to like mow this movie down with a Tommy gun. Flames. Um, <laughs> flames. On the, Dick Tracy, <laughs> flames on the side of my face, burning, <laughs> shooting with a Tommy gun, flame, explosions. Um, no reloading. No reloading. <laughs> infinite ammo. Not, yep. Um <laughs> So no, it's it's not that. Like I don't want it to come across as being that. This movie is entertaining. Like and it's it's visually beautiful. Um, the music is great. Whether it's Steven Sondheim or Danny Elfman, like all there's nothing about those pieces to me where there's any negatives. Um, right. You know, except for that maybe in some ways it felt too similar to Batman for me. Right. Um, the piece where I really lose this movie is just there's no there's no substance. Like it's, it's surface level, beautiful, um, mm-hmm. you know, with the music and with the, with everything. But when it comes to the characters and when it comes to the, whoever's, you know, who's supposed to be the hero of this movie and that it, it's just very, it's, it's, it's a cardboard cutout of a character. It's a yeah. very two dimensional, very flat, very, you know, frankly, the hero of the movie is super boring. 
Right. So I, that's probably where I have the biggest problem with this movie is the the one person that you would think when I watch Batman, I I'm right there with Batman. I wish I was Batman. When I watch, mm-hmm. um, you know, the Rocketeer, I, I wish I was the Rocketeer. I wish I was that. That's the character I want to identify with. But when I'm watching Indiana Jones, except for all the times that he's just getting the tar beat out of him, um, that is just, you know, that's that's the one person that I want to identify with. Right. Now, in this movie, no. Yeah. <laughs> I have no there's no sense that I'm like, Hey, I really wish I could be Dick Tracy. And as a kid, I didn't identify with the Dick Tracy character either. So I think that's where this movie lost me is that even as a child, I was like, I don't care about this guy. Like the villains are cool. I know villains are always supposed to be kind of a little bit cooler than the hero. But at the same time, I was like, I just, I don't really care about this hero at all. And that's, that's, yeah. that's where it kind of loses it for me. So that's why, for me, that's why I, now that I've watched this again for the podcast, I don't think I'm probably ever going to go back and watch this movie again. What you mentioned with the music, I think is right on, is kind of a microcosm of the movie. It, the music is, I mean, it's, again, no one is asking me to write music. And so it's it's fantastic. But it's it paints this, the scene. It gives you the mood. But it doesn't have have that standalone thematic material that Batman does. You, you know what is the main theme from this movie? Now what's the main theme from Batman? Yeah, right. I mean, we sing that right away. Listen to how it builds. I mean, you know, it starts with that solitary oboe, and it's just that really melancholy theme, the Batman, and it just—I mean—so you have the instrument, you have the theme. Then it cascades with that ding, dun, 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 ding, dun, dun, dun. You know, I mean, it's like, wow, that just really sets you in the mood for Batman. And oh, man. After, all the- Pat, after you watch Heat, you got to go watch Batman again. I actually just had that thought. <laughs> um, but but you know what I'm saying? Like, the music is in there. And, I mean, if, if Mizuka was here, we'd be talking about that ending piece where, where, where you know, bum-bum-bum, bum-bum-bum-bum, and then it slows down. It has that big cascade that I can't sing in key, mm-hmm. and then it's got the chimes going. And, I mean, so many different facets of the movie all have great sounds attached to them, but they're like standalone pieces of music that fit. And I think that's a microcosm of what's going on with this movie. Like, there's just cool stuff, but it doesn't – doesn't reach out and grab you you know it doesn't it it doesn't it doesn't suck you in and like the big showdown at the end it doesn't have the same yeah what's gonna happen that you have in batman right you know you know it's it's i remember that and the only thing that was memorable to me about the showdown at the end and i don't think i've seen this movie since probably like 1991 or two uh, mm-hmm. We probably watched it one more time after seeing it in the theater, maybe rented it at the video store. Um, the one thing I did remember about the end was uh, who the faceless villain was. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I did remember that piece, but other than that, I, the rest of it was pretty forgettable, you know? Yeah. And I remember that piece, like that was kind of a shocking surprise at the end. So it's like, well, that's really cool. Um and same thing, John, when we were watching it, he's like, oh, I never would have guessed that that's who that was. Um, you know, so it, it, there was that piece of it there, but it, a lot of the rest of it just seemed really disjointed. So I didn't I, I didn't intend on coming in tonight and, you know, bashing Dick Tracy, but, you know, it just, and, and I don't want to bash all of it because, again, it just, I mean, you can tell the work that went into it and the, the love that Warren Beatty and yeah. some of the other people had for this movie. Like, they really 
took it from the page to the screen and visually awesome, but no heart and soul. Yeah, it was a good, it was a great movie. Just, you know, it just didn't have as much pizzazz as some of the other ones out there. Yeah. And even that, like Dick Tracy, like I think, why didn't I not go see this movie? I don't think my parents were super interested in it. You know, I, I think, and I think the level of probably the level of violence, like, oh man, it's just one more guy walking down the street shooting a machine gun. Mom probably would have bumped on that. I, I mean, as a kid, it was like, oh man, the villains look really creepy. That's weird. And, you know, if my folks didn't have any interest in it, my dad was closer to the Dick Tracy generation. You know what I'm saying? Cause that probably, you know, when that got introduced, what was it on the radio? The different, uh, what did Dick Tracy have a radio program? I know Green Hornet did. Uh, yeah, there were radio plays. Probably, yeah. Okay. I would imagine. Yeah. So, I mean, again, uh, like there just wasn't that interest. And so it was kind of like, well, what am I going to want to go watch? I want to go watch Batman. You know, right. like right. that's closer to what my my thing is. And I, I, like I said, I think it's a, I think it's a fun movie. Mm-hmm. I mean, just, you know, take a look at all the Marvel movies out there, all 2,100 million Marvel movies. Right. I mean, there are some fantastic movies and there's some okay movies. Mm-hmm. I don't know that there's any like dog movies in that whole collection, but I mm-hmm. mean, there's some that are just kind of okay. And that's like this, you know, Batman was really good. This one was, this was okay. I mean, it was yeah. great. And I know how much mattered to Warren Beatty. So I don't want to knock it on him. You know, right. Poor guys making right. movies. And- yeah. It's not like he would make any mistakes ever again. Um, yeah. <laughs> Oscars. Um, all right. Well, is there anything else we feel like we want to say? I, was was there a scene or um, you know anything else in this movie that really kind of jumped out at you? You know, Bo, you you said you've said you've seen this one several times. Um, is there a scene in particular the, when, when you think of Dick Tracy? Is there a particular scene? It's the montage where the the cops have the you know they've got the listening device going and they just show them busting up all the all the events and then they. They cut to Al Pacino and it's Tracy, Tracy, Tracy everywhere I go. Yeah, for me it was the it was the uh, shooting the unlimited ammo Tommy gun with explosions in the background and the gratuitous violence scene. Yeah. Does nobody have to reload in this movie? <laughs> I have been criticized by Nora. She's like, I don't understand why when you do that voice, that's your John voice. Like, why do you make fun of him? He doesn't sound anything like that. I'm like, I know. And just, it's my. She called you out. She did. She called you out. Like, that's not even what he, that's not even what he sounds like. I know, but. A little stinker. I know. Well, my voice for Nora is not what she sounds like either. So I just. Fair enough. I, I, you know, I have a limited repertoire of voices here. So I'm just going to go with what I got. Well, I let's, are we ready for three questions then? I think so. I, I felt think, like I talked sure. a lot about Bo. Did you have anything you wanted to add about Dick Tracy there? I, I don't no, know I, I, I liked it. I, you know, it's sort of a callback to my childhood for me. So not saying that I was guaranteed to like it, but I was kind of guaranteed to like it. There you go. Yeah. There you go. Cool. All right. Three questions. He asks each traveler five questions. Three questions. Three questions. Impossible answer. Impossible because you don't know the answer. Nobody could answer that question. I want to ask you a bunch of questions. I want to have them answered immediately. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. At no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. Everyone in this room 
is now dumber for having listened to it. I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. I, I apologize during the music. I was creating a new dance move based on Bo's favorite gif uh, from The Big Lebowski. So I apologize. So that's that's my favorite now, huh? That's your favorite. I've decided that's, that's your favorite. Right. Yes. That's right. Did that did that laugh Just checking. Did that laugh make it in last week? Uh I, I don't think I've edited that one yet, but yes it will. Oh, yeah, I was going to say, I, you really think he's going to cut that out? I'm, are, you are, are you kidding? I'm not going to cut that out. Now, I may have to yeah. trim it to just like a couple of minutes for time. But, yeah. you know, because <laughs> sort of we, we lost Bo for like and a good going. And, and going. Yeah. We lost Bo for like a good 10 minutes there, I think. So, but doesn't know, it feel yeah, good just was, to laugh? Oh, I mean, it man. just feels good. I mean, it's it's like oh, that was that was good stuff for oh, sure. I, I had a yeah. ball. Yeah, <laughs> that was. <laughs> That was oh, funny. I see what you did there. Ah, I just see what that did was there. funny. That's yeah. still uh-huh. funny. Uh-huh. Oh man. All right. <laughs> I just I aha. <laughs> uh-huh. uh, question number one: favorite newspaper comic strip. Oh gosh, I have so many. <laughs> Enlighten us. Um, where do I start? Say I don't want to step on anybody's, but so step. when I first like the first Family Circle was the first thing that came to my mind. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, Loved that, but then I really thought about it a little longer, and then I remembered growing up, and my dad was a big Calvin and Hobbes guy. Mm-hmm. So I spent a lot of time with Calvin and Hobbes, but then I remember what my favorite one was back then. I loved BC, the cavemen, for mm-hmm. some reason. It's one of those things, I can't even tell you why. Like I even looked up a couple of old strips to see if I could get that inspiration back and point to something, but something about that has always stuck in my head. So I'm going to have to say BC. Yeah. Cool. Those are good. Pat, what have you got? Haggard of the Horrible. Mm. Nice. Yeah. And that would be the one. And it's funny. I kind of forgot about him. I, I had to go on. I had to go on the Google and type in. And it was like, oh, yeah, I remember Kelvin and Hobbes. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Doonesbury. Okay. Yeah, I remember all the, you know. It's like, you know what? I think I always liked reading Haggard of the Horrible. That always mm-hmm. cracked me up. So, Yeah. That, that would be mine. Nice. I remember as a kid, I was always a fan of the Spider-Man comic strip that they would have uh, in the in the Sunday, uh, probably more than just the Sunday paper, but um, Spider-Man was always a favorite one. Um, in more recent years, I, I think one of my favorites, I'm, I'm going to list one favorite that nobody is going to know about. Um, I used to work for the Daily Illini newspaper when I was at the, when I was a student at the University of Illinois, and we had a comic strip called Blue Rice. And that was, it was hilarious. It was my favorite comic strip. I'd read it every single time. Um, you know, didn't know the guy well, but I worked at the newspaper the same time that the the guy who was drawing that um, was doing it. Um, I think it ran from 99 to 2002. So it was around about the same time that I was in school there. Um, you know, main char- most of the story would take place like behind one of the bars. Uh, you know, the characters were sitting at the bar drinking something. They would just be talking. It was... Um, hail the snail and gordon the gnome and uh they would just comment on all kinds of stuff and um and then usually i think buzz was the uh drunk duck that would come in every once in a while (laughs) and and pontificate about something but so that was probably one of my favorites probably in more recent years i would say i always liked uh get fuzzy that one with the the dog and the cat that was always a good one uh one that is not uh two of them though i you know what actually i i think i got a I'm going to have a little bit of trouble with this because 
two of the kind of comic strip style comics that I like that I don't think have ever actually been in a newspaper um, okay. were JL8. It's the Justice League characters, but they're all eight years old. Oh, and cool. it was it was a web comic, um, and I actually saw the guy, and I actually had him do a, a commission for me at one of the last comic shows we were at. Um, he did a Rocketeer for me in the same style that he did his JL8 comic. Um, cool, it's really really nice. Um, so there's that one I really like that one when I found that one. Um, but the other one that it just it makes me laugh so much every time I read it is uh, Chief O'Brien at work. Yeah. yeah, I I like that one. It just That's good. it makes me so happy. That's it. Very it ticks cool. all the nerd boxes. Yes. Yeah. In an actual newspaper comic strip, I would say probably Get Fuzzy would be one of my favorite ones. You know, in, in right. recent years, but um, I thought of another one while we were all talking. Yeah. Did anyone ever read Wizard of Id? A little bit here and there. Yeah. I remember hearing about it. Yeah. yeah, that one was fun, too. It was sort of in the same vein as BC, just different. Yeah. Um, Sharon's favorite one lately has been Brewster Rocket. I don't know if you guys read those or not. Mm-hmm. That's good. He's uh, It's it's Brewster, and I think Pam is also one of the crew members on the ship with him. Um, you know, it's, it's kind of like a, a space, almost like a Star Trek kind of deal. Um, and some of the ones, she's cut out a few of them for me that, that she'll keep and she'll send them to me so I can put them up somewhere at work. And uh, one of them was, because I, I love the movie Alien, and uh, one of them was Brewster is talking to, I think, the ship's doctor, and he's asking him something like, so um, so wait, are eggs good or bad for you? Like, are eggs bad for you? And you show a picture of the egg hatching and the little face hugger running after somebody, and the doctor's mm-hmm. just like, yeah, sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> That's like, funny. That's good stuff. Um, good. We did have from the social medias, we had uh, at Tristan Martin on Twitter said Garfield was his favorite. Okay. So Garfield, Garfield classic. Um, Nora loves that. Like she's checked out every collection she can find from the library that has all the Garfield comics in it. So she's, you know, she's a, a cool. huge Garfield fan. Um, cool. Jason Colvin and uh, I think another, I, th- I think Doug is maybe part of the extended Oklahoma contingent. Um, okay. Doug Huggin on Facebook had mentioned Calvin and Hobbes. He was kind of replying to Jason Colvin's post on Facebook. Um, right. He, he said, Jason said, for me, I love comic strips. I even considered drawing one at one time, um, but this one isn't even close. Calvin and Hobbes by Bill Waterston, um, Watterson is the greatest comic strip of all time, and it's not even close. He said, hmm. absolute genius. I'll stop now before I really geek out. Uh, <laughs> J- right. Jason, you can geek out anytime you want. You feel yes. free to Feel free, feel free to call the love line and feel free to geek yeah. out about Calvin and Hobbes. And, um, you know, we'd, we'd love to hear more about it. So um, this is never a place where anybody should stop geeking out. No, got to amp that up. True. So, yeah. All right. Question number two. Um, this movie, and I've mentioned it several times during this show, um, this movie was pretty well known for its fast food uh, movie promotion. And to me, I, at least I remember kind of as a kid, this being one of the first times that I really remembered there being such a huge um, game that was going on. Like you could win, it was like $40 million or something like the Dick Tracy Crime Stoppers and um you know, that was one of the first, even before, I don't recall exactly when McDonald's started the whole Monopoly thing and, and that kind of stuff. 
Um, but I vividly remember the, the scratch-off cards you would get as part of the Dick Tracy game for this one. Uh, what is your favorite fast food movie promotion tie-in? I'm going to jump in and just say, I don't think I have much. I can't remember. I was going onto the Google and being like, okay, and typing that search in and, and coming up with stuff that it was like, I don't remember this. I don't remember this. Mm-hmm. I remember that. But I also remember that as much as this, and I don't really remember that. Did you get any, Did you ever get any of the glasses from like – Burger King, no. McDonald's, any of those places? No, we never collected any of those. No, okay. Yeah, I'm. I'm sorry, guys. I'm. I this one. This one. This one flew by. Well, this one's. You know, Pat. I'm. I'm going to pull a green arrow, and I'm going to say you have failed this podcast. I. I know. <laughs> I. I mean, the closest thing I can sort of remember is that Pepperidge Farm used to have these little cookies that were like as hard as crackers, and but they were shaped and tasted and formed like cookies of Star Wars stuff from back in the early 80s. Oh, okay. And so you'd open up the, you know, as opposed to like, it would be goldfish cracker size cookies. Mm-hmm. And they were, there was a Luke Skywalker and a Princess Leia and a Darth Vader, Han Solo, you know, and all that oh, kind nice. of stuff. Uh, so I'll throw that out there, but that's not quite fast food. And and yeah, I I just don't remember. For me, I'm, I'm, trying, to, I'm trying to think of like what favorite would be. I mean, I remember so many of these because we, I mean, at different times, I would always, you know, really pester my parents and like can we get the return of the jedi glasses from you know mcdonald's or wherever they were and um you know anytime there was some kind of a promotional deal like promotional cups or something like that like i was all over like can i get the dream team cup i think it was like in 90 was it 92 or one of those years it was like they came out with the dream team cups that you could get at one of the restaurants um you know for the the basketball the olympic basketball team and um we we still have like the kids um, you know, if I fix them, if I'm fixing them breakfast and I want to give them just like, you know, some orange juice and a little glass or something, we've still got the Batman and Robin glasses from Batman forever, um, that we got, I think those are probably McDonald's glasses. Um, but I mean, I remember, I, I, like I've said several times in this episode, I vividly remember the Dick Tracy scratch off game. And I remember that being the first time that, you know, I was, you know, at, at a, at a very young age, I'm sure they were trying to get me hooked on on getting prepped for like lottery tickets or things like that. I'm, I, I don't buy a lot of lottery tickets now, but I feel like that was like the first time. If you want to, you you want your gateway drug into lottery tickets, you do the McDonald's uh, Dick Tracy scratch off game. There it is. But you get a burger with it, so you know you win either way. Yeah. So. Bo, did you have any in particular? Did you have any that you collected at any point? You know, we had some of the glasses. I remember mm-hmm. the Batman Forever glasses for some reason. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, we, we had a bunch of the we weird used to have. I think we used. Things. I think we used to have all of the Batman Forever glasses, and then when when everybody like went off to college, like uh, Brian took some, and Sarah took some, and I took some, and I think it just ended up sure. getting divided up. I think we had all of them at some point. I I do remember some that were really strange over the years. Do you remember the? Um, Spider when Venom came out and they brought the Dark Whopper back. Is that the one? Yeah. Was that the one they had done like the, it was a Dark Side Whopper with the black bun? Yep. Yeah. Because they did that for Star Wars. Didn't they do that for Revenge of the Sith? Maybe it was Revenge of the Sith. I couldn't remember which one. I just remember it for Spider-Man and Venom because they had like a two-pack. You get two for five bucks or whatever and Mm -hmm. one was Spider-Man and one was Venom. Yeah. Um, And then they did a really quirky hobbit do you remember the hobbit 
breakfast menu at Denny's. Second breakfast? Exactly. Mm. <laughs> I, I don't. This is for the I, Hobbit. I that's don't, like no. after Lord yeah, of the Rings. Yeah, it was the Hobbit. I, I can't remember which. Yeah, I guess it was the Hobbit. So. And this came out when we were all adults. So that was the first bit, right? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. They did. Don't ask me how I remembered this, but I had to look it up to prove that I wasn't insane. Okay. They do a Hobbit thing. And it was just Denny's. They designed a menu around, you know, build your own Hobbit slam. I mean, you know how Denny's was. It was just pancakes. You know. <laughs> That's they funny. might have done they might have found some things that like somewhat referenced the movie but it was you know, it was Denny's it wasn't yeah. Hobbit themed a menu because they could mm-hmm. and in looking some of that stuff up I found some weird stuff people did mm-hmm. I'm the, the 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 Hunger Games did a, a Catching Fire tie-in with a hot Chipotle chicken sub at Subway. Yes, they did. I remember that. I, I, yeah. <laughs> Some of the stuff I stumbled upon, I'm like, you must be kidding, but they weren't, <laughs> <Yeah>. John. <Mm-mm>. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they weren't. No, nope, they, they did it. Yeah. The Flintstones, the, uh, Flintstones classes. We had mm-hmm. a couple of those, too. I'm just looking through this other list that I found when I was because I had to verify the Hobbit thing I'm like God, that rings a bell but if I'm wrong yeah <laughs> yeah so, yeah that was I, but I, I, I have to admit I feel like there were more like I wrote down a few more that weren't necessarily fast food tie-ins that I mm-hmm. remember really well yeah. just cross promotional stuff do you remember the Indiana Jones Diet Coke commercial oh yeah yeah it was uh, a- yeah is it the beginning of, because we still have, gosh, we still have that, um, I think down in the basement somewhere, we had the VHS of um, Last Crusade, and it was on at the beginning yep. of the, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's the one, mm-hmm. and yep. that's why I remember it, because you put the tape in, and you'd watch the commercial, it wasn't that you, you know. Right. You didn't want to remember that, but it was just there. Well, see, that's mm-hmm. like, my, my copy, growing up, my copy of Raiders was always missing the first three minutes. Because like it was, it was probably it was probably recorded off of like HBO or off of TV somewhere. Sure. Yeah. So our copy of Raiders of the Lost Ark, I had never seen. I didn't realize until I took John to go see it in the theater when it was back out for the whatever anniversary a few years ago. Um, I realized I had never seen the first three minutes of the movie. Yeah, I was like, that's insane. I have watched this movie how many times my entire life, but it's off of the exact same VHS copy we always had growing up. So that movie, I never saw the first three minutes. When I pictured Last Crusade, I picture that Diet Coke as like the beginning of the movie. Like I think of that <laughs> Diet Coke commercial as the beginning of the Last That's Crusade. Awesome. Like yeah. kind of like kind of like how when you have I, I like um, like when you have The Office has like a cold open. To the mm-hmm. like an episode of The Office, I'm like that's kind of like you know it's that's just what or the James Bond. It's like this is what comes before the credits in Last Crusade. It's right. like you have the yeah. Coke commercial, and then it's the opening credits. That's the way it works. <laughs> I feel like, um, yeah, I was looking at, there's a couple of websites that have, like, weird uh, fast food movie tie-ins. And I don't even know what, this one doesn't go into detail, but it's like, uh, Sabaro did a Godfather tie-in? Yeah, I saw that. I was looking <laughs> online. I saw some of that stuff, and it's just, mm-hmm. oh, no. Mm-hmm. 
there was the, uh, I forget which, I, I was seeing this on here, but I forget which restaurant it was. Um, the, the Walking Dead uh, burger made to taste like human flesh. Oh, that's just really a like, Why would you <laughs> like who who is sitting in this marketing meeting and they're like, hey guys, um, let me just uh let's spitball some ideas I got here. An idea. <laughs> let's make some ideas here. Um what is it? I'm 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 actually reading this story on here. Uh The Walking Dead's fifth season is starting soon, and to celebrate so it's been a while ago. Um Fox has teamed up with two London food creatives to craft a burger that is meant to depict the taste of actual human flesh without being made of human flesh. That's disgusting. Yeah, like that's I'm done. I'm out. Yeah. Can I have some carrots? They please? even have they even have like this entire graphic that shows what is the taste of human flesh and it like goes into details like what are the flavors but like that just what? why <laughs> Why? What? Okay. What's what is what is wrong with people? Just stop. Just stop, guys. Just uh. stop. Well, I, I was just saying. You know, I was going to come up with Jurassic Park ice cream, mm-hmm. and I talked about this with students at summer music camp. Mm-hmm. And basically, Jurassic Park ice cream is uh, like just human shaped. You know, your popsicle, your popsicle stick, mm-hmm. and everyone is like this. Like it's humans like ducking and putting their hands up or screaming, no, you know, yeah. like all that, not, you know. And then the thing is when you bite into it, it's got like the, um, what's the stuff in like crackle candy bar, like the Rice Krispie stuff that it crunches. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then they're filled with uh, like uh, red syrup, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So that when you bite like the arm, it crunches and then the red syrup comes out. See, you're mm. the dinosaur. Gotcha. In Jurassic Park ice cream. But you see, that's made with like ice cream, and strawberry syrup and rice krispies mm-hmm. not like we're gonna make this taste like flesh that's disturbing yeah that's a that's a choice i wouldn't make i'm just yeah. I, I gotta go out, i gotta say uh do you remember this is not a restaurant one but it is super gross um do you remember the was it the push pop uh it was the star wars episode episode one push pop does anybody remember this one vaguely i remember the gag though yeah um Basically, the top of the push pop is Jar Jar's head, and when you push the push pop out, it's his tongue. Because <laughs> that's because that's not a bad idea at all. Yeah, yeah. Some questionable choices were made around that character. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so th- this is this is the decision. This is the choice you decided to go with today. You just decided to double down and mm-hmm. just go for the wrong decision. Yeah. Yeah. Every decision around Jar Jar Banks and was scar wrong. all children for life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Uh, all right. Well, let's see. For uh, Jason Colvin was uh, one of the people that responded, and he put up a whole bunch of pictures on Facebook: uh, the Star Wars glasses, the USA Dream Team cups, um, Batman Returns cups, uh, the Great Muppet Caper glasses that they had. Um, yeah, so that was he. He said he remembered a lot of those too, yeah. and, and having kind of a regular rotation. We used to before we kind of cycled through a whole bunch of those. You know, I used to keep any kind of cups that I would get from, you know, going to the movie theater, and they'd have like the promotional cups for whatever movie coming out, and um, have a really nice uh, metal popcorn tin that I got from going to see Rogue One um, that we just kind of used to like yeah, keep stuff in now. I think- yeah. Either I, stuff. one of my brother or I have that. I'm yeah, not, that one no, too. No, you yeah. know what? I think we gave it to my mom. Okay. That's what it is. 
I also still have somewhere. I think I still have the uh, episode one cup that was the giant, uh, the the like top half. You know, unfortunately, I didn't realize at the time that that was a spoiler alert. It's the top half of Darth Maul's body, mm-hmm. and the <laughs> this giant um, this giant straw goes through Darth Maul's back, and that was you, you put him. It was the top of the cup, and his arms his arms can move. Yeah, I so it was always that. like this weird, huge, unwieldy cup. Um, yeah, it's kung fu action grip, and with with kung fu grip while you're drinking, absolutely. Yeah. All right. Well, question number three: What is your favorite Stephen Sondheim song? And I'm going to fully admit, Stephen Sondheim, not that, that's not my area of expertise. It's not my forte. So um, I'm just going to go with the weird answer, and I'm going to say, "Send in the clowns." There you go. Definitely Cause, on the cause list. That's, I, to me, it's probably the ironic choice because I looked at the other ones and I was like, I just I don't know that I really have enough. You know, I, I liked the songs that he had written for this movie. I know I've probably heard some other, and I listened to a few of them. I was like, yeah, I just don't know. And I, The ironic choice yeah. for me is all of the probably weird or creepy ways that I have quoted Send in the Clowns um, at different times during my life. And so I'm just going to go with that one. Like uh, last week. I I did try to make my own version of it for um, uh, Star Wars and have it be sent in the clones. But that's that's neither here nor there. Yeah, that was. No, and it's a beautiful song. Mm -hmm. I mean, it really, it really is. But no, I'm going to plus one you on that. I mean, it's kind of like I could dig through the Internet and try and find more songs and then try and figure out which one. But it's like that's the one I know. And Mm -hmm. we need a we need Mazooka here to kind of fill in our information gaps. So, so Jeff, if you want to call in at some point and let us know favorite Sondheim song, we'll be we'll, awesome. We'll throw that up there on the voicemail. Yeah. All right, Bo, what do you have? Um. So everybody ought to have a maid from a funny thing happened on the way to the forum. Mm, okay. Which is just a hysterical song. Yeah. In a hysterical musical, and then from uh, Into the Woods, children will listen. Oh. Okay. Cool. It's a, it's a pretty good tune too. Cool. Yeah. yeah, I gotta go back to. It's been a while since I've heard the funny thing happen on the way to the forum. I gotta go back and listen to that one again. Everybody ought to have a maid is a is a good one. Okay. Yeah. I will, I will go check yeah. that out. Very nice. Very nice. All right. Well, I think that's gonna do it for Dick Tracy for us here. Uh, so thank you, Bo, and thank you, Pat, for being here. Thank you, thank- John. Yeah. Thanks, John. And uh, as usual, our next upcoming episodes, uh, we've got uh, our Time and Space Month. So we finished out our Crime Month. We've got Time and Space coming up next. Uh, Back to the Future Part 3, Star Trek, The Next Generation, The Best of Both Worlds, Fire. Fire. Sorry, I thought I'd, I thought I'd pause for like a week and then you can come back. No, actually, it was more than a week. It was was that over the summer? That was, that summer. was over a yeah. summer, yeah. from like from like... May to September or June to something like that. The, mm-hmm. the longest pause ever after the word fire. Uh, then uh, Spaced Invaders comes after that one. Uh, Mo Better Blues. Uh, Jaws, the 45th anniversary. We're going to throw that one in there somewhere as well. And then we get into our kids month. And that is going to be Kindergarten Cop, Home Alone, DuckTales the Movie, Treasure of the Lost Lamp, and Problem Child. Um, actually, the kids were looking at this list the other day. They're like, what's Problem Child? And I said, well, I, basically the title kind of says it all. Like, well, but, but what does it mean? I was like, well, it's basically a mischievous kid that causes problems. Oh, you mean like my brother? 
Okay, well, maybe. I'm not going <laughs> to respond to that right now, but we'll watch the movie right. and you can decide for yourself. Nice. And, and then the funny thing is, I think he walks through the room and he's looking at the list over my shoulder. And he's like, what's problem, child? I was like, I don't know. It's like a, how can I put this before you watch the movie? It's like a kid that causes problems. Oh, like me? Well, like, oh, okay. Well, then. <laughs> Are, are we all are we all okay with this? Yeah. Oh, all right. Okay. Just okay. I just right. want to confirm that you know. Apparently, your sister was right. Tell your sister you are right. Glad we're all on the same page here. Uh, if you have not already, visit our website thirty podcastcom uh, Check us out on any of the social medias at thirty podcast. Uh, if you want to call into our voicemail line, it's eight seven two three five six six eight four three or eight seven two three five movie. Um, at some point we will get Pat on there as the recorded voice asking you what movie you'd like to comment on in movie phone style. Um, cause I think that would just be great. <laughs> oh yeah. Please type the number of the first letter of the movie you'd like <laughs> to talk about. Why don't you just tell me that? <laughs> Why don't you just tell me? <laughs> yes. Um, or we'll just, you know what, actually we'll just, I'm going to put in your, uh, maybe I'll just put in your cell phone number and people can just call you. Just call me up, and man. Just randomly. I mean, hey, if, if we don't go back to school in the fall, what are you going to be doing? What am I? What else do I? I got nothing. Right. So, I mean, I think you answer some phone calls. So, um, you know, answer the phones. Just, just talk to some folks. I think it'd be fun. Back to the phones. There we go. Back to the phones. <laughs> Back to. All right. Well, thank you all for being here. Um, you know, go check out our website. Check out all the other stuff. Uh, we should have up there by now what you can vote for if you want to vote for our 1991 movies. Um, we, we get a little bit, uh, we, I say we, I get a little bit ahead of things and uh, get a little antsy for the next year. So already got that stuff put up there. Uh, if you want to check us out on Letterboxd, I've actually created a Letterboxd list with all of the movies that are our potential 1991 movies. So if you're not sure, if you have not heard of that movie before and you want to get a little bit more information, Go check out that list on Letterboxd, and you can click through and, and get a little bit more information on the movies to make sure that your vote is more informed, because we're all for informed voting around here. Um, but that's going to do it for us. So thank you, gentlemen, for joining me here. Um, we will see you all back here next time. So be excellent to each other. Go watch some good movies, and we will see you back here next time for Back to the Future Part 3.